Hello, and welcome back again to our famous Thursday morning live stream where we go deeper. Oh, my collar's all messed up. Glory to God. This is our Let's Get Deep series. Thursday mornings, I take you deep into the Word of God. And today we're talking about your new identity. Did you know that when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a totally new person, a new creature? The Bible even calls you a new species. You're no longer the same person that you used to be. In fact, you're totally made brand new. I want somebody to type in the comments this morning and say, I'm a brand new creature. I'm a new creature. My old ways of life, they've passed away. The old things that I knew in life, they've gone out the window. I'm a totally new creature. And those of you that are new creatures and you're on the live stream this morning, give this video a thumbs up, share it with somebody. And let's get right into our series this morning. Let me say good morning to some people. Good morning, Colton. Good morning, John Stafford, my good friend, Kevin. Venma, Laura, Miguel, Amber, good morning per usual. She's faithful. Daniel, good morning. And good morning to anybody else that I might have missed. As you're jumping on, if you're new to the live stream and you've never joined us before, I know we've got a lot of new people joining us because we're popping off on YouTube. God has been good to us. He's blessing us tremendously. If you don't follow me on Instagram, make sure you go and do that at taylin.michael. You can see it right down here in the corner of the screen. And we just got this bad boy yesterday. What a blessing. We've reached 100,000 over now. We're at almost 300,000. But I thought how cool, of that, how cool this was to come in the mail yesterday. What a blessing. It's been a lot of hard work and God's hand has been on the ministry and I'm very thankful for it. And you guys have played a part in that. So as you continue to share this live stream, you're going to help us to get the word out. Well, let's get into it. You are a new person. You've been given a brand new identity, and that's what we're going to dive into this morning. Thursday mornings, we take more time to dissect what God's word says about who you are so that you can be built up in your faith. You know, the Bible says we're not to be ignorant. In fact, we're supposed to have knowledge. God says my people destroy themselves due to a lack of knowledge. So we're not going to destroy ourselves. We want to read what the Bible says about who we are now that we are in Christ. It's called the in Christ revelation. My pastor's pastor, Pastor Mark Hankins, did an in-depth research of the in Christ revelation. Who you are now that you are in Christ. There's over 135 scriptures that talk about in Christ, in whom, in he, and who we are as a new creation in Christ. There's over 35 that are particular to you specifically about your new identity, your new identity in Christ. Think about your identity this way. You have a license. It is your identity. Your license tells you where you're from. Your license or your passport explains your citizenship. It explains where you live. It explains your rights. Your identity, who you identify as, determines who you are, and it reveals where you're from. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm no longer just a part of this earth. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I am now a citizen bought by the blood of Jesus, a citizen of heaven. So my new identity 
shows you my location. You know how on your license it gives you your address, shows your state, shows your citizenship of what's, whatever uh, uh, country you're in. My ID shows that I'm a bot son of the living God, shows I'm a citizen of heaven, shows that my address is my confession. I shall have what I say. And I want to explain to you the difference in the three levels, or, or what I like to call the three levels of becoming a son of God. There is a process to becoming a son of God. Now, everything that Jesus did, he has already accomplished in the spirit realm. 2,000 years ago on the cross, he paid the price for your healing, paid the price for you to be a blood-bought son and daughter of God. He paid the price for you to be forgiven. Everything that Jesus did has already been accomplished. It's already been finished. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. And that was it. He went into the lowest parts of the earth. The price was paid. He rose up again and made us righteous in the eyes of God. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ, God sees me as a friend, as a son. I have friendship, fellowship, and favor with God. So go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start it today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to teach you your new identity. And you're going to want to stick around to the end because this is going to get deep. We like to go deep here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Listen to this. Therefore, if any man doesn't say any church-going man, doesn't say any person that was born in church man, doesn't say any good man. It says, if any man, any person, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, if anyone will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So if any man, is in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. I want you to type this in the comments. All things have become new. And if you're just jumping on, we're talking about your new identity as a Christian. Give this video a thumbs up and share it with somebody. Tag someone in the comments. Look, all things have become new. Now that word in the Greek that says you become a new creature, it means a new species, a new creation, a first of your type. Jesus was the archetype. Jesus was the prototype. Jesus was the firstborn of this new creation. Now all of us being born in Christ, we are now the followers of this prototype of a new type of person. A person who does, is not stained by sin anymore. Who is not a child of wrath, but instead a child of God. All things have become new. All things have become new. Now I want to teach you this progression. You can write this down. This will help you. There's three stages that you go through in the born again process from start to finish. Number one, you were a child of wrath or a son or a daughter of disobedience, as the Bible says. 
There's children of wrath, which are not serving God. In fact, they're under the wrath of God. Then there's a child of God, which is somebody who's been born again. Then there's a son of God, a child of wrath, a child of God, and a son of God. You notice how when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan and the heavens opened, when God spoke, he did not say, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. No, he said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. The word son is spiritual talk. The word child is natural talk. So although God gave us the ability to become children of God, he's actually give us, given us the power to become sons of God, which is a whole nother level, and I'll get into it. Number one, write this down. Children of wrath. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. There's people in the Bible that God calls children of wrath. That's where we started. Well, it's not technically where we started. That's where we ended up. Us being born now, that's where we start. But when God created mankind, he did not create mankind to operate as a child of wrath. When Adam sinned, the Bible says, whomever you obey becomes your master. So when Adam sinned, he made Satan his master. And he became a child of wrath because Satan was under the wrath of God. Remember it says in Luke chapter 10 verse 18, Behold, I saw Satan fall from hell like lightning. So Satan is under the wrath of God. Whoever serves Satan is under that same wrath. So Adam became a child of wrath because he chose to obey Satan. Anyone who obeys Satan is a child of wrath. Anyone who obeys God and is born of God is a child of God. Ephesians 2, listen to this. We'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and... Oh, I'm sorry, that's Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2. I was reading the wrong chapter, but we'll get, we'll get back to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, verse 3. How about this? We'll start in Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked. Remember, Paul doesn't say, you are dead, you are a dirty, rotten sinner, you are dead in your sins that you currently walk. No, he said you were dead in your sins that you currently walk. Somebody type this in the comments. I don't walk in sin anymore. I don't walk in, I, I made a choice. I drew a line in the sand. I don't walk in sin anymore. I left sin behind me. I walk in the steps of Jesus. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we also once lived in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of our flesh 
and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So you can write that down. There's children of disobedience and children of wrath. Anyone who walks in disobedience to God is a child of wrath. They're identifying as a child of the devil. They're saying, Satan is my master. Satan is is the father of disobedience, the father of all lies. He's the father of wrath. Therefore, I'm calling myself a child of wrath when I walk as a son or a daughter of disobedience. But the Bible says that God being rich in mercy, listen to this, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. So we were dead in our trespasses. We were sons of wrath. God raised us up in Christ, loved us even when we were yet sinners, and saved us from our sin. But wait, there's more. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 6. Colossians 3, verse 6. Actually, we'll start in verse 5. You know what? We'll start in verse 1. Why not? Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Somebody type in in the comments for me. Those that are jumping on right now, we're talking about your new identity. Who you are now that you've given your life to Jesus. You're not the same person that you were. God has made you a child of his. And I'm going to teach you how to be a son of God. If you then were raised with Christ... Desire those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. So we were children of wrath. Now we're being, we are born again. When you are a born again son of God, a child of God, you set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. There's nothing wrong with having money, but my primary focus is not to seek after money. There's nothing wrong with being healed in the power of God, but my primary focus is not to seek after the power of God. My primary focus, well, I guess it, it could be, if that's your call, but my primary focus is keeping my mind set on heavenly things, setting my affection on things above, God's will for my life, what God wants accomplished in the earth. Verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm hidden with Christ in God. (laughs) When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you also shall appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death, this is what I want you to get, verse 5 and verse 6. Therefore, put to death the parts of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire, covetousness, 
which is idolatry. Verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of obedience. So what draws the wrath of God on somebody's life? What makes somebody a child of wrath? Their open disobedience of God. So that's how we formally walked. Now we walk as children of God. A child of God. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. And it just keeps getting better. Glory to God. 1 John chapter 3. This will stir you up. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. Listen to this. Maybe we'll start in verse 1 here as well. I like to give you as much word as I can. Consider how much love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. Wow. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we children of God... And it ha now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Wow, this is deep. I want you to get this. We're getting deep. Remember, Thursday mornings, we get deep here. So we were sons of wrath. Now we've been born again. The Bible says any man that is born again is a new creation. We've been born again as children of God. But listen to this. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, verse 2, 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. So currently, being born again, we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Ooh, that's deep. That's deep. If you like deep things, give this video a thumbs up. Keep sharing it with people. This is your new identity in Christ. We were, past tense, children of wrath. We are children of God. So what shall we be? What are we becoming? I'll read it again. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. Now we are children of God. We shall be, I'm going to show you this, we shall be a son of God. There's a difference, I want to teach you during this, during this session. There's a difference between simply being a child of God and being a son of God. Somebody type in the comments. There's a difference between being a son of God and a child of God. I'm going to teach you some spiritual things this morning. To be a child of God and to be a son of God are on vastly different levels. You ever notice the people that sing that song? I am a child of God. Great song. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're now a child of God. But you ever notice that they're not quite on the same level as other people with deeper revelation? Now, just because somebody has deeper revelation doesn't make you like a better Christian or anything like that. Well, I mean, it could be. I guess you're not exempt. But it's not about being puffed up in your, your depth of revelation. But you ever notice that people that sing that song, I am a child of God, they stay at this um, average level, we'll say. 
You don't have to stop at being a child of God. Go with me to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Being a child of God means you're going to heaven when you die. Being a son of God means heaven comes into you while you live. I'll say that one more time. Being a child of God means you're going to heaven when you die. Being a son of God means heaven is coming through you as you live. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, talking about Jesus, he gave the power to become. The power to become sons of God. Anyone who has received Jesus Christ, he's given you the power to become a son of God. It doesn't say you're, when you're born again, you are a son of God. No, you are a child of God. But he gives you the power to become a son of God. What's the difference between a child and a son? A son has an inheritance. I'll give you the definition here. I, in the Blue Letter Bible app, or the Blue Letter Bible app, it gives you the definition of the word son in the Greek. What that word son means. Now generally, surface level, it's used as a male offspring, but it gets deeper. Used to describe, I want you to write this down, the word son means this. It is used to describe one who depends on another or is his follower, a pupil. So there's many children that don't follow their father, their natural father, and depend on him. They're still his child, but the definition of a son is to be somebody that follows in your father's footsteps, depends, and becomes a pupil of your father. That's the definition of a son. It's different than a child. A child simply means that procreation happened and you were born that's all a child is which is great you'll still get some of the blessings but when you become a son you get much more of the blessings i'll read one more thing to you let's um here listen to this this is this is the main definition i want you to hear about being a son of god those who revere God as their father, the pious worshipers of God, those who in character and life resemble God, those who are governed by the Spirit of God, repose the same calm and joyful trust in God which children do in their parents. That's deep. This is what it means to be a son of God. Romans 8.14 says those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. And hereafter, in the blessedness and glory of the life eternal, will openly wear this dignity of the sons of God, term used preeminently of Jesus Christ, as enjoying the supreme love of God, united to him in affectionate intimacy, privy to his saving counsels, obedient to the Father's will in all of his acts. Boom! Mind blown. There's a difference between being a child of God 
and being a son of God. He's given us power. Remember, it says in the book of Ephesians, according to the power that worketh in us, he does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. That power that is at work within us is the power that makes us become sons of God. Type in the comments, I'm becoming a son of God. There's a process that you go through in this life where you become from one degree of glory to another degree of glory the very image of the only begotten Son of God. That power makes us sons of God. A son of God received, or a son of a father receives the inheritance of that father. If you study the life of Jesus, when Jesus turned 30, that is when he went to be baptized in the river Jordan. The reason why Jesus was baptized at the age of 30 is because in Hebrew tradition, which is the tradition that the Christian faith is based upon, in their tradition, when a man became 30, there was a ceremony and a celebration where that man received everything that his father had. His father's estate, his father's business, all of his father's wealth, all that the father had was given to the son. When Jesus was 30 years old, he was baptized in the river Jordan. The heavens opened and many heard in a thundering voice that sounded like many waters. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At that moment, that same tradition opened up the heavens and all that God the father had was bestowed upon Jesus. How was it bestowed upon Jesus? By the Holy Ghost. The power that makes you able to become a son of God. Glory. The Holy Ghost is the promise that was given to Abraham. That same Holy, and it says to his seed being one. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. I told you guys these Thursday mornings are deep. Kate, if you were in the studio, you'd be out under the power right now. I'm telling you. It's thick in here. Galatians chapter 3. Now, before Galatians chapter 3, as you guys are turning there, I want to I read this to you. If you go to Luke chapter 3, verse 38. I know Stephen's in the comments right now. Steve, you're going to love this. Luke chapter 3, verse 38. I want you to go to Ephesians or Galatians 3, but I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 3, verse 38. In Luke chapter 3, there's a genealogy. The genealogy is explaining how Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So it goes all the way from Joseph back to Adam. To prove because what was Jesus? The second Adam. So they had to prove that he came from the lineage of Adam. To prove that he is a begotten son of God. Now why is that important? Listen to this. Luke chapter 3 verse 38. We'll start in verse 37. 
So right after Noah, the son of Noah, which was Shem, it says the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Mahalalel, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of what? Somebody type in the comments. Who was Adam the son of in Luke chapter 3, verse 38? What does the Bible say? Let's see who gets it first. Oh, we're getting deep this morning. God, that's right. Jamal, Medio, Adam, the son of God. So when we were born again, becoming, what, what's happening, I want you to get this. Pastor Mark Henkin says it this way. The same power that was in the event of Jesus Christ on the cross where it says that sin abounded, therefore grace much more abounded. What that means is where sin abounded in the Garden of Eden. What Jesus did on the cross actually totally reversed time. And restored us all the way back to Adam. And even greater. Because now we're in the second Adam. Which is the begotten son of God. So when you become a son of God, what you're doing is you're actually totally reversing the process that happened in mankind after the fall of Adam. And you're, you're reversing your creation into a son of God. If that makes sense. I don't know how else to explain it. It's spiritual. So it's kind of deep. When you're becoming a son of God, when you're in the process of using the power given by the Holy Ghost to become a son of God, you're totally reversing the entire direction of natural creation. To be restored as a son of God. The Bible says Adam was a son of God. The son of God. Jeez, that's deep. All right, Galatians 3 now. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 13. If you guys are liking this, give this a thumbs up. Put an emoji thumbs up in the comments for me. And make sure you send this to someone. We're going to get deeper right now. So now that you're becoming a son of God, I've done deeper teachings on this before. I can't do an entire one, but I'll give you a brief overview. Being a son of God and a son of Abraham and the faith as the father of your faith, you've received not only a spiritual inheritance, which is what Ephesians 1 says, we've received all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ, but we've also received the earthly blessing given to Abraham. So because we've received the earthly, earthly blessing given to Abraham, not only do we get a mansion, streets of gold, heavenly rewards when we get to heaven, we get to live blessed as a son and daughter of Abraham in this life. Galatians 3, starting at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us, made, has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might, you can underline that, might, come upon 
the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That word might means it's conditional. It means you have to choose the blessing. Type in the comments, I choose the blessing. I choose the blessing. You have to choose it. Might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Remembering the Gospel of John, I believe it's in chapter 16, Jesus said, all that the Father has is mine, and all that I have I give unto you. Meaning all spiritual blessings in heavenly places were given to Jesus, and Jesus has now given them to us. So I choose the blessing. Verse 15, brothers, I'm, I am speaking in human terms, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is ratified. No one annuls or adds to it. So although this is a man's covenant, it is ratified in the blood of Jesus, and it was ratified with Abraham through circumcision. It cannot be altered. Verse 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say into seeds, meaning many, but into your seed, meaning one who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which came 430 years later, does not annul the covenant that was ratified by God in Christ, so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it, is no, long, it no longer comes from the promise. But God gave it to Abraham through a promise. Glory to God. Now I want you to read, I believe it's verse, uh, let's jump down to 23. But before faith came, we were imprisoned under the law, kept for the faith, <clears throat> which was later to be revealed. So the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Verse 26, you are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So a son of God is somebody who qualifies for the blessings of Abraham. A child of God will go to heaven. A son of God receives all that God has for them by becoming a pupil of God in this life. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, and there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So all the promises are received by faith. But remember what James said. Faith without corresponding action is dead faith. So because you have faith in the Son of God and because you have faith that you've received the Holy Spirit, now, by your faith, your corresponding action is to put that power into action and to become a son of God that inherits all that God has for you. So you move, the progression is from a child of God into a son of God. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. God has given us the power to become sons of God, to have an inheritance not only in heaven, but also in this life. Hallelujah. We're going to read the inheritance one more time. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. 
I'm going to show you what this process looks like. Blessings for obedience. Remember, what did God call the sons of disobedience? The children of wrath. So those that are in disobedience, their reward is the wrath of God. Those that are in obedience, faith with corresponding action to the word of God, walking in love, walking by faith, they shall be justified. And these are the promises that are guaranteed on your life as you're justified by your faith walk and your love walk. Your faith with corresponding action produces these results. Listen to this. Now it will be if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now this is what greasy grace teachers will, will, will teach you. They'll tell you that this is conditional in the sense of all you have to do is sit back and relax and these blessings come upon you. But that's not entirely true. Remember, just because we're under grace now does not mean that we don't have to put corresponding action to our faith. All it means is we've been saved by grace through faith. That it's simply the law of faith that produces the heavenly results. Well, the law of faith requires action. It requires taking action, corresponding action with your faith. Otherwise, it's a dead faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and it's activated by your believing and your speaking, your confession of faith. Now it will be, well, I want to hit that one more time. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, the Lord your God does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I want you to get that. Now it will be if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God being careful to do all of his commandments, which I'm commanding you today. Now remember, that, that still applies, but the new commandments, Jesus said, is to walk in love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You still have to fulfill those commandments. But by fulfilling those commandments, Paul and Jesus said, the entirety of the law is summed up in those. When you walk in love, your action of walking in love is corresponding to your faith. And all of these blessings will come on you and overtake you if you listen to the voice of the Lord your God. You will be blessed. I want you to get this. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I want you. This is what this means to become a son of God. All of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you listen to the voice of the Lord your God. What that means is just when you get revelation on this, it doesn't mean that it just happens in a moment. In the spirit, it's already taken place. But there is a process for these blessings to come upon you and to overtake you when, as you're becoming a son of God. And I'll show you what that means. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. That means until you get revelation on this, you are not blessed in the city and you are not blessed in the field. Because a lot of Christians will say, well, I'm a Christian. I have faith in Jesus Christ. How come I'm not blessed in the city? How come I'm not blessed in the field? Because you have to have revelation on this. And when you get revelation on this, you begin to walk in it. And as you begin to walk in it, then the blessing comes upon you and overtakes you. Your offspring will be blessed. The produce of your ground and the offspring of your livestock. And the increase of your herds and the flock of your sheep. Your basket and your kneading bowl will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. 
The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and all that you set your hand to. Did you know that God has a blessing for your bank account and for your job? He says, I'll bless your barns, which is where you have a savings account. And I'll bless all that you put your hand to. God will multiply your investments and God will multiply your business. Verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he swore to you, if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. All people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. The Lord will make you overflow in prosperity. You can live in the overflow. Type in the comments, I live in the overflow. When God's spirit, God's anointing comes on you, when you're in an atmosphere that's full of high-octane Holy Ghost, when you're anointed, David said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The anointing makes your life overflow in all areas. Hallelujah. Every time you get hands laid on you, your life overflows. Every time you're in church and there's an anointed atmosphere, your life overflows. You can press in, expect, put a demand on overflow every time that you're in the anointing. The, mo the Lord will make you overflow in prosperity in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground. In the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. I want you to get this. God says, I will make you the head and not the tail. That means you're not the tail or that you're not the head right now. Or you weren't the head at one point. But he says, I will make you the head and not the tail. You understand when you get revelation of these, you start at the tail. But God moves you to the head. As you press in, as you read the word, as you believe the word, as you speak the word, as you press into the power that makes you a son of God, God moves you from the tail and puts you at the head. Hallelujah. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will be only above and you will not be beneath. If you will listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, to observe and to do them. Also, you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I am commanding you today to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. Hallelujah. Just because you started at the tail doesn't mean that's where you're going to finish. Just because you started beneath doesn't mean that's where you're going to finish. Wherever you started is not your destiny. Your destiny is on top. Your destiny is the head. Your destiny is overflow. Your destiny is blessed in the field and blessed in the city. Blessed in your barns and blessed in all that you undertake. Your destiny is blessed. Wherever you started today will not be where you finish tomorrow. This time next year, you will experience great overflow in every area of your life. And if you receive it, type in the comments, I receive it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is your new identity. 
Romans 5.17 says, We reign as kings in life by Jesus Christ. I'm no longer a peasant. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to the devil. I'm no longer a slave to this world. I'm no longer an outcast. I'm no longer a child of wrath or a son of disobedience. I'm not even a child. I am a child of God. I don't want to say that. That's a bad confession. I'm not only a child of God. I am a son of God. All that the Father has is mine, and Jesus gave it to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Aren't you thankful for it? Praise the Lord. God is good. I want to read one more story to you, and then I'm going to pray for you, so stick around to the end. I read this story last night when we were at church, and I believe it blessed some people. And the same way that it blessed them, it's going to bless you. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 8. This is the prophet Elisha and the Shunammite woman. I'm thankful for everyone that's jumped on this morning. This has been a blessing. One day, 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8, listen to this. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. So this wealthy woman sees that there's a man of God that's passing her way often. So she tells him to come in and eat some food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God, who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. You can write this down. It's called making room for the anointing. This woman sees there's an anointed man of God that's passing by her way. Well, if you know anything about the anointing of God and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit can get you things that you can't get on your own. The blessing of God can get you things that you can't get on your own, that no amount of money can ever get you. There's certain things only God can get you by His prophets. Remember 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 I believe it is. It says, if you'll believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. But if you'll believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Anyone that receives a prophet as a prophet receives a prophet's reward. That's what this woman received. Listen to this. One day he came there. And, and I'll, I'll hit on this too. So she put an addition on her house. Anyone that knows anything about building... And an addition onto a home is like at least an extra $30,000 at the low level. I was talking to a contractor last night. You're looking at $50,000, $60,000. This woman spent $50,000 to put an addition on her house for the man of God to make room for the anointing. Verse 11, 2 Kings 4.11, One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all of this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? 
Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She said, I dwell among my own people, meaning she didn't need favor with the king and she didn't need favor with the army. Verse 14. And he said, then what can be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. So she wasn't able to get a son. She wasn't able to produce somebody that would carry on their wealth and their legacy and their lineage. And money can't buy you a son. That's something only God can do for you. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. He said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, oh no, my Lord, oh man of God, do not lie to your servant. She was in disbelief. She couldn't believe it. But the woman conceived. And she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. This woman put a $50,000 addition onto her house and she made room for the anointed. She honored a gift of God being a prophet of God that God had put into the earth because she honored this man of God and she made room for the anointing. The anointing made room for her. The anointing on Elisha produced a son, which no amount of money could ever buy. There's things in your giving that money can never buy, but when you make room for the anointing, when you honor a prophet, when you honor your pastor, when you honor people that have spiritual authority on the earth, people that God have put on the earth to bless you, when you honor them with your finances, the anointing on their life makes room for you. It's a very real thing. A man of God I honored one time. I took $1,000, I gave it to him, Within two months, I had $30,000 come back to me financially. And it opened doors of grace. It opened doors of anointing. It opened doors to supernatural relationships. It made room for me. I want you to type in the comments, the anointing makes room for me. When you sow into the anointing, it makes room for you. And God will bless you. Well, I hope you've been blessed by this teaching. I've had a great time. I'm glad I joined the live stream this morning. And I'm sure you received something. This is your new identity in Christ. Your new identity as a son of the Lord. You reign as a king in life. I want to pray for you. Before I pray for you, I want to give people an opportunity to sow today. If you've been blessed by the ministry, if you've been blessed this morning, act on your faith. If, you, if you're stirred on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit to give this morning, I want you to do it. And give the exact amount that God tells you. Don't give, you can give more, but you don't have to. Normally I say don't give any more and don't give any less. Ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me give? Make room for the anointing and watch the anointing make room for you. If you appreciate this ministry and how God is using us, you know that we're feeding 1,500 kids every single month in other countries. We also have 11 other ministries that we're partnering with each and every month. So as you give, you're helping us to advance the gospel, to get the word across all these different social media platforms as well as in person. You're helping us to feed 1,500 kids every month and you're helping us to sow into other ministries as well.
So I want to give people an opportunity to give. And as you give this morning, I'm going to pray that the anointing makes room for you. That miracles that you need in your life are answered. That the anointing blesses you in a significant way. The different ways that you can give are on your screen. Cash app is dollar sign revival way. Venmo is at revival way. PayPal is at revival way or evangelistalen at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website and become a monthly partner. I highly encourage you. Pray about it and see if God would have you become a monthly partner with us. You know, many people, they'll spend $100 a month on Carl's Jr., on In-N-Out, on Whataburger, on Taco Bell, on Starbucks, on Dunkin' Donuts. But they only give 5 or $10 a week in the offering plate at church, you know. I believe you're not going to be one of those people. So you could partner with the kingdom of God today. Go to our website, RevivalWay.com. Thank you, Sirach, for your giving. You can also give through Super Chat on YouTube. And we're very thankful for your giving. You're helping to make a big difference. Glory to God. Also, I don't have a thumbnail for it right now, but we're going to get one up. Amber, you're going to like this. Anybody that's within like 10 hours of Louisiana, I want you to come join us the first weekend of September. We're having three days of glory with Pastor Stan Pody at Faith Church Ruston. If you want to come experience the power of God, signs and wonders, miracles, if you want to experience the Holy Ghost in a way you've never seen before, I want you to come join us. It's going to be glorious. Three days of glory, we're going to pack the building out, we're going to have overflow, and you're going to want to get there early because the building's going to be packed. So make sure that you come and join us. I'll get a, I'll get a, I'll get a picture on here for you guys next week. You can go check the community tab on YouTube as well. I'll post it on there, and I'm also going to be posting it on Instagram. You're not going to want to miss it. It is going to be awesome. John Stafford said, I'm working doubles that week. John Stafford, I don't know what you're thinking, brother. But if there's any way you can work doubles another week, we'd love to see you here. Hallelujah. Well, let me pray for those that are given today. Father, in Jesus' name, every person under the sound of my voice that gives, I call them blessed. Everyone that is giving right now, I call you blessed. And I speak to your seed to multiply. Lord, we worship you with our finances. Thank you that it is you that gives us the power to generate wealth. Angels, ministering spirits, go cause the money to come. Bring in our harvest and Satan take your hands off of our money. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amber, I believe you will. I believe you'll find a replacement for Jeremiah. Let me honor people that are giving quickly. 
Abigail on PayPal, thank you for your giving. You are a blessing. Marvin Walcott, thank you for giving on Cash App. Sam Harris, thank you for giving on Cash App. You're a blessing. Shane McAuliffe, thank you for giving on Cash App. Let me check. Uh, John, of course, you're a regular giver. Thank you for your giving on Venmo. And thank you to everyone giving on the website. Dominic. Dominic, if you're watching this, Dominic sowed a big seed. I'm very thankful for your giving, Dominic. It will multiply in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your giving, everybody. I like to honor those that give. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. So we like to honor those that are giving. Well, I love you. This has been so much fun. This is our Thursday morning teachings. You're going to want to join us every Thursday because we get nice and deep. Go be a son of God this week. Live in the blessing. I love you so much. Don't forget, join us Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, I live stream our church service on the channel. So, And we start at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So those of you that like the Holy Ghost, you like an on-time word from God, join us every morning or every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And we're going to have our church services. John said, what about ministry madness? Ministry madness is, is on a halt for now. Because we're exceeding, we're growing so fast on YouTube, we're putting a couple things on halt. We might pick it up later on down the road. But I love you, and I will see you Sunday morning. Adios, everybody.